The Longbox Crusade presents G.I. Joe Chronicles, The Devil's Due Years. Welcome to G.I. Joe Chronicles, The Devil's Due Years. I'm one of your commanders, Pat Sampson, codename DJ Christatos, and joining me as always is my battle buddy in this operation. That is Jared Albrick, codename Death Probe. At ease, DJ Christatos, to all our green shirts tuning in for this podcast. Welcome back to Fort Longbox. We appreciate you tuning in to talk some post-2000 G.I. Joe comics with us as we chronicle our way through the Devil's Do Run. On this episode of G.I. Joe Chronicles, DJ Christos and I are going to rotate in another special ops guest for the show. For this episode, our special ops guest is our Romeo team. It is Rick Heineken from Jeff and Rick Present. His code name is Jeff. But wait, I'm not Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not confused. It's Jeff. It's Rick Heineken. Code name I'm, Jeff. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the first one taken out when they say. Jeff, look out. And I'm just going to stand there walking along like, they ain't talking to me. Oh, look, a missile coming right at my head. Oh, All man, right. if only somebody warned me. Maybe we can go with Romeo team. <laughs> All right, Romeo. Thank you guys very, very much for inviting me. I really do appreciate it. Big fan of the show. Been listening to since the beginning. I had never read this. I had never known about it. I will be honest with you, and I know it's going to come up, but I didn't read a lot of the G.I. Joe comics back in the day. I did collect the toys. I did watch the show, but you guys have been bringing me along with it. And I really have really appreciated your coverage, especially your interviews with the creators of the comic. Good, good. We may have some more to come on that. Christos is working on that behind the scenes. Excellent. So like you said, we do have a part of the show. Where we're going to get to know a little bit more about Rick's background with GI Joe. We're going to debrief our new recruit. So what is your origin story? What was your avenue into G.I. Joe? I've already figured out it's not the comic, so it's got to be the toys of the cartoon. And once you've done that, who are your three favorite characters, be they Joes or Cobras? I got to say, I am a child of the 80s, so put me in front of a TV. I got my cartoons on, and what do you see, G.I. Joe? We see those, like, the red, white, and blue come screaming across the screen. We hear that chords of the music coming in, and yo, Joe. Yeah, I was down there to watch all of those episodes. Remember the first miniseries that they had with the collection of all the parts of the mass machine? Just remember that. Remember that, you know, all the excitement at schools, everybody got into it. Didn't get a lot of the toys, had a small clutch of them that I burned through when I was a kid. Still have about, well, I got a few of them, but I've got about four of them that are up on my shelf up there from when I was a kid. I've got them staged up and I got Flint and Spirit and couple other characters that other the top of my head I can't remember right now. Pat <laughs> <laughs> and I might be able to help you with that later on. Probably, probably can. <laughs> I have looked them up before and then I just realized ah, I blanked on the name. But the other toy I have always at my fingertips and I have to just point it out right now is my favorite. It's a 25th anniversary collector's edition with Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes and they're fighting. It's It's still in the blister pack. I did a little modification to it. I had the yard sale artist send me one of his copies of his field manual with the half storm shadow, half snake eyes look on it. And I took out the silent interlude comic that was in there, slipped this in there. So it's perfectly lined up with storm shadow and snake eyes. And I love it. It's on my wall. This is a thing of beauty. I love it. You honor me, sir. First of all, you honor me. Second of all, it looks great. We should start marketing. these. <laughs> it looks so good. You did such a good job with it. You honor me. Thank you. If you can find some more of these things out there, I highly recommend you do the little trick. Just it's a simple matter of cutting out the bottom and just sliding it right in there. Field manual has to be just kind trimmed of little, cut, trimmed a right, little on the side. Right, right. Otherwise, perfect fit. Nice. It looks so good. Yeah, you honor me. That is that is really great. Thank you. As far as my three favorite characters, I gotta choose Snake Eyes because everybody loves Snake Eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I already mentioned I've got Spirit. I always liked that character. I always liked that figure. It came with the eagle, and I always thought that was really dang cool. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You've got spirit. Yes, you do. Yes, I do. I got spirit. <laughs> uh, uh, Jared, Pat, yeah. how about I you? I got spirit. Yeah, I do, too. I do, too. <laughs> I got spirit. Yes, I do. <laughs> oh, that was fun. Anyway, what's your third one? And My I got third the one, eagle. Um, 
I, I'm waiting for you guys to mock me on this one, but I'm going to go ahead and say shipwreck. That's all right. It's okay. <laughs> I got shipwreck. We've podcasted with Kevin before. It's like Kevin's favorite character. We're used to it. He first appeared in the 84 miniseries, Revenge of Cobra. The one thing that always sticks in my head is here's a guy dressed up like a sailor, and he's out in the middle of the desert, and he's sailing a skiff across the desert. He had bad jokes. He was just a pre-early Gambit-type character, and yet I kind of liked him, <laughs> and I was felt ashamed about it. <laughs> the bad Jack Nicholson impression that was his yes. voice was very endearing. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that, man. Everyone's favorite. You got a shipwreck running around there, Pat? I thought you might have had one. Oh, yeah. He's hanging on. He's on my shelf back there. On your shelf back there. there. With Dr. Mindbender. Dr. Mindbender. I thought you did. Arm and arm sitting on the shelf. Yeah, I still have my shipwreck from back in the day, too. So there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with it at all. Well, cool. Now we got a little background on our Romeo team lead. Let's pass it back to DJ Cristados for this episode's intelligence report. All right, well, for this mission, we'll be covering G.I. Joe number 31, published by Devil's Due. Cover date was June 2004. The writer was Brandon Jorwa. Penciler is Tim Seeley. Jason Millett did the backgrounds. Inker is Corey Hampshire. Colorist is Brett R. Smith. And letterer is Dreamer Designs. Cover art goes to Mike Norton, Corey Hampshire, and Val Staples. And speaking about the cover, Death Probe, please take us through the cover description. You got it. Take cover! This cover features Flint and Duke, and they are mixing it up fisticuff style on a red background. An insert on the bottom left shows us a mysterious new character, Wraith, who is featured in a four-page backup story that is related to the main story. And that's about it. It's Duke v. Flint with a little Wraith in the corner. All right, Jared, thanks for that. Let's go ahead and see what you guys think of the cover. And we will start with our guest, Jeff. Yeah, we've all been there, right? You're angry at somebody. You got to throw some punches around. You, you got to get it off your chest. It's pretty evocative. It's pretty striking. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> uh, the big thing that always that, that catches my eyes with this is the use of red in the background to help really highlight the anger. I mean, this isn't friendly. This isn't. This isn't just a normal combat. There is anger here. And you got that the face and you got their poses and the tensed muscles. But the red behind it is really what's selling it and really having the anger of things. So that's the big thing that stood out for me. And I really like about this cover. Very good. Jared, what's your thoughts? Oh, just like Rick, the red definitely leapt out at me. But overall, I think it's just kind of a cool, almost fan service cover. Because as you know, the G.I. Joe fan community is kind of divided over who they like is the field team leader you're most people either the duke guy or a flint guy so it's kind of neat mm -hmm. that they did a duke v flint cover to sort of encapsulate that inner debate amongst the fans ultimately i'm a flint guy what do you got that Ooh, you're a flint guy Ooh. see yeah you know i find myself more of a, a duke guy just because i'm from the beginning he was there in the beginning well you know later on in, in the cartoon he was there right away but in the comic books he showed up a little bit later but I really like me some Duke, but I think as simply as this cover is, the detail on it is very good. It's so close up, but yet detailed to me. It looks really nice. The lines are nice. The way they have it positioned, that camera, kind of a rakishy kind of an angle that's mm -hmm. happening in that. I like it. It is a battle of who would actually win or who I actually, you know what? I wonder, let's ask this. Who do you think would throw actually the first punch? Flint. Question, huh? You thinking Flint? I think Flint. And I want Jared to back me up on this one. I have my own military experience. Yes, it was just reserves, but the warrant officer position always was a position of mystery, and you didn't know what they would do. And they were they were a little crazy. <laughs> they were just a little crazy. And they seemed to be outside of any real command structure at all times. You didn't know who was really in charge of them, but you knew they were in charge. So I just think that Flint is the one who is going to put his foot down. He's like, no, I'm right. You're wrong. And I will solve this with my fist if I need to. Jared, your thoughts. That is a compelling and good argument <laughs> from Rick. My dad was a warrant officer, which is, which is why I lean towards Flint as my favorite. But Rick is right. Like warrant officers are like the rogue officers <laughs> that are just weird and out there. I don't know. It's a tough call, but who would throw the first punch? 
Now I'll flip a coin. I think it's a. I think it's based on the situation. I, okay. I got. I'm gonna punk out. I really don't know. Like you know, just knowing their personalities from the comics and stuff. They're both fairly level-headed tacticians. Now in this particular scenario, yeah, I wouldn't. I would imagine Flint probably would because he was salty with what Duke was up to. <laughs> so yeah, in this situation, I will say Flint. Okay, what about you, Pat? In this situation, knowing what we've read in the past, Duke will kind of egg him on with his, you know, you know that spy enough stuff that he was doing before mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know so he's got that kind of mystery about him now a little bit more so i think he would kind of egg him on to get flint to break his cool and hit him and then that we can just go see i didn't do anything yeah. was... <laughs> that's um plausible mm-hmm. that's what i think let us know what you think getting the tweets or and whatever and comment and let us know who would win in this battle between flint and duke weigh in on it Speaking about weighing in, let's go ahead and find out what we would actually rate this cover on a scale of 1 to 10 flag points. 1 meaning you didn't like it at all, and 10 meaning it's perfect. You should make this a recruiting poster for, you know, the fighting that you do (laughs) in the military. Whether it's, you know, just competitive boxing in between the different services would be kind of fun to see too. But let's find out what we rate this, and we will start with Rick. I'm going to go ahead and give an 8. I forgot something too. We forgot to mention one thing about this. And since Delvin's not here, please whap, 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 whap. They're throwing fists, man. So um, <laughs> I, I would say eight. This is a really good picture. And I like what's saying, but there's something that's really keeping me from going higher. And I'm not sure what it is. I like the action. I like the coloring. There's some little thing about the physics of the scene that doesn't quite work. I don't, there's something about how the shirt is being grabbed. That's not how fabric works. That's how Mr. Fantastic works. (laughs) (laughs) You're not wrong. I noticed that too. And then there's also, again, with the shirt, Duke would never allow himself to really be grabbed like that. (laughs) It seems like that's just a bit too far. If Flint's fist was there, I would almost see that without touching the shirt, I would see this be a little more true. And I think that would probably get that extra point. But I'm going to give it eight. All right, Jared, what are you going to give it? I think Rick makes another great point because that did catch my eye as well. I think. Like Rick said, have just have the second fist up, or maybe even if he's shoving with that hand and cocking back that fist on the other one would be better. So the shirt did, did grab me. Ultimately, Pat, I'm going to give it an eight, but I do want to give a shout out, and I probably should have done this before we were talking about, but a shout out to Val Staples, I think was the colorist. If you look, there's a lot of detail that's brought out by the color. There's a lot of shading that's done by the color. Duke's hair is very much done by the color. Mm-hmm. Uh, Val did a really good job on it. It's an eight. I like it. It's memorable. What do you got, Pat? I'm going to agree with you guys as well, too. I could make this a 10 if what Flint is actually holding up, if he's giving Duke a wedgie. If that was a wedgie, that much that makes sense. Oh, <laughs> super. <you know. laughs> and Duke is like, that'd be, a, that'd be a Melvin. Wouldn't it, that'd be a Melvin, though, from the front. You're grabbing the front. <laughs> Either way, you know. I, I think the look on, on Duke's face would be a little bit different. It'd be more of an, oh. <laughs> 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 He ain't gritting the teeth at that point in time. The teeth are far apart. You don't want to get them locked like that. Yeah. But I, you know, I, you're, you're right, Rick. I didn't think this shirt would be that, you know, loose and all that. So that's where I'm thinking maybe he might be pulling on a wedgie here, but they didn't want to show it all the way. So if it was actually pulling a wedgie, thing like that, I'd give it a 10 all the way. It'd be fun. But I have to agree with you guys. It is an eight for me. All right. Well, with the rating out of the way... Let's go ahead and go back to Death Probe for the story synopsis in our mission. <laughs> Brief. <laughs> On G.I. Joe Chronicles, we'd like to mix things up a bit. I'm going to have DJ Cristados pull the randomizer to determine the synopsis point of view, which has been Cobra for several issues now. Will I tell it from Joe's point of view or Cobra's? Cristados, pull the lever. <laughs> the lever has chosen, once again, Cobra. Mm. Man, oh, man. I think, you you know what? I think this is rigged. I think Cobra Commander has this figured out, and he's rigging it. Maybe. Dr. Mindbender has been missing for a while, and Mm. I'm just saying, I'm Mm. just saying he could have made it over to Fort Lombok. I'm just Mm. just saying. Possible. Well, here we go. Cobra style. Fractures, fractures everywhere. The good news for us is that we've recruited Overkill back onto the Cobra squad. Well, sort of. He's 
pretty chopped up and it took some electroshock therapy, so he's creepier than ever, but he's back on our side. Our intel indicates that the Joes have more cracks in their leadership chain. Apparently, all those years of running Black Ops has Duke playing fast and loose with the Joes that he leads. Eh, Flint and Hawk are not into it, so Duke's status with the Joes is sketchy at best right now. Things aren't going much better in our own Cobra ranks, though, because Zartan has left the organization, taking all his Dreadnought assets with him, and Cobra Commander has announced that anyone wanting to leave Cobra is welcome to do so. Certainly seems like he's got an ace up his sleeve, though. Meanwhile, in Badhikistan, the Joes, Claymore, Dusty, Scarlet, Snake Eyes, and Lieutenant Falcon are attempting to collect intel on the coil assets that are currently running that country, but our new and improved Overkill leads a team of Cobra troops that captures the Joe team at the border, so yay us. But wait, there's more. <laughs> Destro is brought before a world court and basically tells him if they set him free, he'll hold back on exposing the various countries with their arms deals, and he'll also deliver Cobra Commander to them, and it looks like he's going to get his way. Oh, did you think we were done? We're not. It looks like Dr. Mindbender found his way off Cobra Island because when a sickly Zartan returns to Dreadnought headquarters in Florida, Mindbender is waiting for him there with a mysterious proposition. And that is finally it. No, it's not. I'm kidding. Destro's family is out recruiting the mysterious Wraith to help break two prisoners out of military jail. Who are the two prisoners? We're not sure. Who is Wraith? We are even less sure. Oh my gosh. That is a Jason the Weasel Skull Ulrich length synopsis. But there was so much happening in this book. Wow can't believe who's it. got questions <laughs> goodness gracious it was a packed book it was definitely it was now back to gi joe with that voluminous recap out of the way it is time for our highs and lows on the issue round one romeo team high low what the what do you got first little thing i just have to say is i thought it was done with the issue i thought the ray thing was just you know, another story that you know, we're starting a new series of something. I was going back and looking at something else and saying, oh, yeah, there's a backup story. That's part of the real story. Oh, I have to read that, too. Right. Let me get back and read that one as well. Lots going on. <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot happening. But the best action was on the last page. And this is the race story with race sneaking in like a ghost assassinating the, the guards. It was just absolutely vicious. And that last page was thinking back to silent interlude kind of a thing, but really good ninja, sneaky, sneaky, what's going on. This is the bad stuff right here. This is the real, real deal. And these people are serious. So that's one of my highs. It's just, even though it was an add-on and I don't know anything about this Wraith character and it seems like maybe a bridge too far, I really like that last page. Cool, cool. Interesting. The backup story grabbed you like that. I like that. Mm -hmm. I like that. And I, I wasn't expecting the backup story to be as interesting, but I read the last page like, oh, Ooh, that's a little, that's fun. <laughs> yes, indeed. Pat, first round. Hi, low, what the? Like Rick, too. I wasn't sure if we needed to read that or not, but once I read through the initial issue, I got to that page and I read the brief synopsis or overview that they had for it. I'm like, oh, okay, I better read this thing. Now that I knew what was going on more in the overall story from the first part of it. And with that first part of it, yeah, there's a lot of different twists and turns going on in this one compared to the other three issues in this series. So it's definitely took a spin. I wasn't thinking it was going to go with this. You have two people kind of on trial. You have Duke for just the sneaky stuff that he's doing. I, I guess, but I don't really understand why. I mean, if you're going to tell him... You know, you're going to put these Joes in risk and whatever. Well, that's fine. Even in this comic, the ones that are in Uzbekistan or, or whatever it is, they're even told, hey, if you get caught, you have to disavow everything. So what's the difference between that and what Duke was doing? Hawk knows what's going on. Hawk approved it. <laughs> yeah, I'll guess. I suppose. Yeah, Duke, Duke played fast and loose with the lives of some Joes, uh, two of which got messed up pretty bad. And it was all yeah. just his decision. I find that to be a fascinating, I'll even roll that into my high for round one. I, I okay. like the fact that they are following that seed that they planted way back in like issue, what was it, Pat, like eight or something where we found out that Duke was, yeah, the ops you know, guy, covert yeah. ops for all those years off of G.I. Joe. Somewhere around there, yeah. And so he got used to 
running his own ops. And gosh, man, I would somebody needs okay. to write a series of those missing eight years. Yeah, I, love, I mean, it's uh, it's basically Duke as James Bond, right? It's it writes itself. But I could, uh, even that would be kind of cool to see with Duke running around like that and just pulling in different characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think Major Blood was the one that was they focused on back in eight. I think we had Ryan yeah. Daly on the show. Yeah. I'm just really glad they're following that. And they've they've made it a character trait for Duke. And as we've talked about on a lot of other shows, be it this one or the Real American Headcast with Aaron, my problem with Duke for years has just been that he's kind of vanilla. He's just kind of like... He's like the yo Joe field team leader, and that's about it, you know. But I really like this layer that they've put on him. Like he's been doing covert out for so long, he kind of doesn't care what Hawk thinks at this point, you know. And it's like, oh, that is interesting. Yeah, it is. It, it is an interesting thing. But I'm like, come on, Hawk. How can that Hawk not kind of know what's going on either? You know, all the kind of stuff that he's doing as well too. So a lot of games being played here. Plausible um, deniability. Side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I suppose, but I also like, you know, what's going on with Destro that played out really well too. So I'll kind of give some character moments that happen as my high for this round. Sounds good. Sounds good. And I kind of went on a tangent for mine. So let's just go back to Rick. Let him kick off a round two with a, what, a higher low or what? I'm going to go with a low and I'm going to tie in with what you guys were just talking about. I am questioning Hawk's leadership. He's got every right to be angry at Duke, but this informal court that he's holding is a pretty bad way to confront a mm. professional. <laughs> Hawk could just have easily had a one-on-one with Duke to figure this out without having these fellow soldiers run him through a gauntlet. This is the worst intervention ever. <laughs> True. You're, you're absolutely right. And, and I mean, he, I don't think Hawk is setting up a fight, but that's what he's setting up. Or you is know, he doing I, it to save face to Flint? And He doesn't need to save face to Flint. This is a military commander. You complain up, I will take care of it, and I will discipline where I need to discipline, or I will ask who I need to ask questions. But that's how it should work. He's holding a court-martial here informally, and he's letting these people just gang up on Duke. And I am actually surprised that Duke wasn't the one to throw the first punch, because he almost had every right to. Anyways, I'm off my soapbox now. And I'm also looking over at Jared, because he is the professional. He does leadership courses, and I'm you waiting are for him to say, yeah. Yes, absolutely, you are correct. I wanted you to be able to finish your thought, but yeah, yeah, it's a, uh, you know, the, the old adage, praise in public, punish in private. Yeah. He's, um, he's breaking that rule. You're right. He's bringing in more guys to just throw more turds at Duke when it, he should have really just handled it at most, at most, maybe have Flint there. If you're actually going to take Duke out of the picture, even then I'd bring him in later and say, Hey, Duke's been removed. You're in charge now. And then you can show them how to fight, you know, in the cafeteria. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But no, yeah, that should have been something private, one-on-one. And again, he also aired his recent problems with Snake Eyes and Scarlet at that same meeting. It's, it's like, yeah, Hawk needs to tighten up professionalism just a little bit. Pat, what do you think? Well, I'm going to go on the other route now that we talked about some of the Joe side. Let's talk about what's happening on the Cobra side this time. There's a lot going on there as well, too. You have this overkill guy. Coming in. Uh, interesting story. I liked how they just kind of put you in the beginning of that in this issue on uh, what's happening to him. And it kind of makes me feel sad for the guy, you know, <laughs> especially when the guy goes, what hand did he hit you with? Oh, it was his uh, left one or, or right one or whatever. All right. Well, then chop that one off now, too. I'm like, what? Ooh. Oh, no. Ooh. <laughs> if they were doing that over on the Joe side, man, it's a whole different issue. Yeah, Wait, which, which arm did uh, Flint swing at Duke? OK, that arm's gone. <laughs> it's very robocop yes yeah lose the arm i want to hit on that just a second pat because that was a, kind of a low for me is we had that scene and i didn't know who that was i honestly thought that was like the beginning of the wraith storyline i don't know they ever call him overkill and the only reason i figured that out that he was they don't call him it in the beginning they don't say anything no. what his name is until later I, on yeah um, i read a story synopsis at yojo.com and i went oh in the synopsis, it was like, Overkill has been butchered and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was Overkill. Oh, totally they call him later on in the comic. Yeah, later on, he's Overkill. But at yeah. this but, point, in this scene, I'm like, I have no idea who this is. And, and later on, I can't take the guy who later on they're calling Overkill and place him with yeah. the guy at the beginning. They don't map together terribly nope. well. Nope. So, yeah, that was a little bit of a swing and a miss. I think they assumed a little too much of us on that. But anyway, Pat, did you have a... I know you like I to go on and that. on. I, you guys got doped and I didn't. He, he had a machine gun on his hand. 
I know I know who Overall Kill is oh. later on, but okay. that doesn't map to the guy at the beginning. Oh, all right. I have I couldn't tell you at I, all. I thought I thought the guy at the beginning was Robocop. I think so, you're right, you know. But I, I see what you're saying, Pat. Now there's a guy whose arm has been replaced with a gun, and there was a reference to cutting his arm off earlier. Yeah. You get that now. Okay. So good right. job for yeah, I got this yes. then. I got this. <laughs> yes. Make me feel good. Thank you. <laughs> Let's talk about what's happening with Cobra Commander and the people around him. Mm, interesting. Yes. We see Zartan show up, and then we see Zartan leave with all his buddies because he's not feeling good, I guess. I don't know. Not looking good. Yeah. No, he's not looking good. I, that part I kind of am questioning on what's happening there. Does Cobra have any friends left? Mm. Destro and his group is gone. Zartan and his group is gone. Mindbender's gone. I mean... I feel sorry for the guy. The, the poker party's got to suck there now. I feel bad. Then. It's just him and the bear. No, I don't feel oh, bad. I don't oh. feel bad. <laughs> yeah, they, no, I will because she's going to turn on him. You know she's going to turn on him. Oh, she, she turned me on. T- oh, turn on him. Turn oh, her. right, 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 right. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know this is probably some sort of a setup that Destrol did with her. And so that that's just kind of how it's going to play out, I think. That's just my thought on how it might play out. Is she's going to turn because... What Destro is promising, how's he going to deliver it? I think she's the one that has to be able to deliver that at the end. Yeah, you may be right. It's weird because it feels like his house is falling apart, but it also feels like he doesn't care. Well, no, like and that's what plan. Really, yeah, it's like, what is his plan? And oh boy, if he's bringing back his buddy that he kicked off. Oh, he's looking for Serpantor. Serpantor, <laughs> yeah. They're going to go into the business again. They're going to be back together, you know. Bro, bro, brothers, you know, together again. (laughs) (laughs) I I hate you. I love you. I hate you. I love you. I can't quit you. (laughs) Uh, Let me put the brakes on. You're uh, I know you're going to keep going. So I'm just going to steal around. Okay, go ahead. (laughs) uh, Military authenticity. Jared has a a low for this book. I think they even have a, a military consultant. Yes, they do. Andrew Swenson, you dropped the ball, sir. You dropped the ball when they have the kerfuffle in Hawk's office. His flag is improperly displayed when hanging from a wall. The blue corner should be on the left, not on the right. Oh, you're fired, Andrew Swenson. (laughs) Interesting. I'm not even going to try to no prize it. (laughs) Yeah. Hawk's dyslexia has caught up with him. How about this? How about. It's not the flag that you're seeing. It's the mirror that's capturing the flag on the other side. Right. He's got a big mirror behind him and the flag's on the other side of the room. That's the best we can do. All right. There you go. There you go. All right. That was my one little military nitpick that, that bugged me. And, and it wouldn't have bugged me if I hadn't done a Captain America art piece this week. And I was Her. putting the flag in the background and I actually Googled to make sure. I was like, no, I want to make sure I get the blue on the right proper side. And uh, all my art is available at www.theyardsaleartist.com. Back to you, Pat. <laughs> it, it just, it comes in, you see it coming. <laughs> and you're like, nah, it, it can't be. It, it yeah. can't be. It, it is. It is. It's yeah. a commercial. It, it's a commercial. <laughs> the whole thing was a commercial. <laughs> but, uh, but again. I, duped again. Yep. Still. <laughs> Always. You know what? That's the end of our official rounds. But I know <laughs> Pat's got more. Uh, Rick, do you have anything you want to throw in there before Pat just runs at the mouth? Dreadnoughts are comedy relief, right? <laughs> right, right. They're all hunkered all by the door with the ear in the door, like, I, like why Marx don't one brothers or something? Why doesn't one of them have a glass? I mean, come on, that, that's the only thing that they're missing. <laughs> Not a glass. It'd be a bottle of yeah, it's, cola, grape cola, or whatever. <laughs> they got a beer bottle right up to their head. They're like, okay, I can hear something. Uh, yeah, they're, they're or maybe a, a donut. Relief. They're, you know, he's trying to listen through the donut, the chocolate donut. <laughs> Just waiting for a Cobra Commander to come and. You may leave and open up the door and they come tumbling in the room. I mean, <laughs> you know, speaking of commercials, that is one last thing I want to add before I let Pat go is you can tell that the new toy line is now hitting its stride. I noticed they got like, I'm trying to remember that Cobra guy, the surgeon. I think his name is maybe Scalpel. I noticed they got him in there. They got the new sand razors. Is that who the guy is with Baroness? Yeah, the medical guy. I yeah. didn't know that. I think his name is Scalpel. That's top of my head. I'll do some research when you start running your mouth here in a minute. They got overkill with his new arm gun. Like, they're like, hey, 
Hey, these toys are on sale. It's like back to the old Marvel days. And I kind of like Buy our toys. <laughs> Buy our toys. Just, just shameless, our... shameless advertising, www.theyardsellers.com. Pat, what is your <laughs> final barrage of comments? Proceed. And I'll see if that guy's name is indeed Scalpel. Okay. I'm going to start first with, let's say those toys, those vehicles were pretty cool. I think pretty cool desert vehicles that the Joes had. I liked them. And then we'll go back to Destro. What is his plan that's happening? And just to kind of see, we see like the many different outfits of Destro in here. You see no pimp Destro. Destro but <laughs> yeah, Destro sitting in the orange. He's, you know, like orange is the new Destro color. But he's got the helmet on and they're letting him keep the necklace on too. They say he can keep the facial helmet mm, on him. Mm-hmm. But is the necklace part of that too? Or I just don't get it. No, I, I like your instincts on that because you never know he's got hidden in there. You don't know he's got hidden in the mask. Like we talked about before, this new Destro kind of has that glowing green around the eyes, which tells me there's some enhancements going on in there. I, I wouldn't let him keep that. So. Yeah. I don't care if it's family tradition. That yeah. dude will use it against you. Exactly. Something's going on there. And then he looks really cool when he's all in his just business uniform. I think that's Destro's looking pretty sharp there. Mm-hmm. It is scalpel, by the way, this just in. Oh, okay. I was wondering. I was like, well, who's this guy? And that's with Baroness. And he has that kind of symbol on his. Made me think, like, is this some sort of a new visionary kind of guy? <laughs> Those are all little different uh, add-ons to his medical tools that you're seeing on his chest. Ah, so that's where he would just pull them off his chest and Yeah, he's got all these, people. like, different, you know, medical devices, a.k.a. torture devices. Uh, Scalpel was released in Series 19 in 2003. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. Okay. And lo and behold, he's made his way into this here book. (laughs) (laughs) Funny that. But otherwise than that, I I think all in all, an interesting issue. I wasn't sure what to expect out of it. (laughs) I just noticed one more thing that I forgot to bring up. I'm I'm totally pulling Pat tonight. I got more stuff, more stuff. Did anybody else get the distinct feeling that Destro's lawyer was Jackie Childs from Seinfeld. <laughs> Go check him out and tell oh, yeah. us that's not Jackie yeah, yeah, yeah. Childs. <laughs> Destro's on trial? Preposterous. Preposterous. <laughs> Ludicrous. <laughs> if the helmet fits, he must quit. <laughs> he is 100% channeling Jackie Childs. I just know it. I just know it. Whoever he is, he's making bank. You know he's making bank. Mm-hmm. Destro versus the world? Trial of the century? Mm. Oh, yes, I will take the case. Super Move rich over, Johnny Cochran. Dealer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's taking it. His <laughs> hourly rate is through the roof, I guarantee. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, all right. I'll stop talking, Pat. I am totally Pat on this episode. Yeah, you were. Interesting. I, I, I blame myself. And then I'll just finish it off. I knew it. We got Columbo Pat over And one more thing. <laughs> Columbo Pat. That might have to stick, Pat. <laughs> the backup story in this. Uh, Rick mentioned it. I enjoyed it as well, too. And it got really quick to the point of what's going on. I am interested in what this Wraith is and who they are getting out and how it's going to play into the next issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's definitely going to be around. Yep, the Wraith is definitely interesting. Interesting. And I might as well hand it right back to Pat because it's time for the IG's report on the combat readiness of this issue. All right. Well, for those of you who don't speak military, that means we're going to score this issue story on the same one to 10 flag points scale we used earlier on. So, Romeo Jeff. We're just we're just gonna roll in with this, aren't we? We're just yeah, yeah. You know, I'll, the, I'll, the, I'll the name the name you had me put on when I walked on the base, just ignoring it. <laughs> Absolutely ignoring it. Just making it up as you go. All right. I'm going to go ahead and say this is about seven of flags points. For me, this is part of a story arc, which is usually very wordy, little action. They're just developing the plot, keeping the story moving along. Mid-arc stories are rarely home runs. It's just about continuing the story and keeping up interest. This shows the consequences of what's happened, the promise of the upcoming story. Our hero and leader Duke is in the doghouse. The Joes and the Veal are getting owned. The bad guys all seem to have opportunities for success. At the same time, there's nothing really big or fantastic. It's just solid. Well, it's not a solid story. It's solid many stories. So it's not knock out of the park, but it's definitely above average. So I'm going to I'm going to land on a seven. Jared, do you feel the same way or more or less? I feel pretty much the same way. I'm going to 
dial it up to an eight just because I'm really invested in the story. There's just so much going on. There's enough. Nobody giggle at this. There's enough balls being juggled in the air. <laughs> We're back to the briefs. We're back to the briefs. <laughs> there's, there's enough compelling. Every little part of the arc is compelling. You know, what's going to happen with Duke? What's going to happen with Destro? What's going to happen with Wraith? What's going on with Cover Commander? What's going to happen with Zartan? Zartan's been sick for like, I don't know, a year now. We've got to figure out what's going on with that. So a lot to cover. Rick's right. It's the middle of an arc. It's a story churner, but it has enough excitement and interest for me. I'm, I'm invested in it enough to go to eight. What about you, Pet? I think like you, because we have read the other three in this series, I think I felt more like Rick last issue because that was the middle of this arc that we were in. So now I feel I'm with you, Jared. I'm invested. I didn't see where this was going to turn and what was going to happen. So I'm at an eight, invested and interested in where this is going to go and how this is going to end, especially with what Destro is promising to provide for his own, you know, for mm-hmm. the and turn around to let him go and just carry on and go on his way and, and walk out of there. All right. Well, with our ratings out of the way, let's go ahead and get into this episode's award time where we will spence out rewards such as a silver star medal or a silver sneaky snake for sneaky snakitudeness or silver star for gallantry in action. This is where we each get to award the character in the issue who went above and beyond the call of duty. Could be interesting who each one of us is going to pick. Let's start with Rick. I'm going with Destro. The dude got to catch up on some reading. He was escorted by the most elite soldiers <laughs> in the world. He's shown respect for his culture and heritage, allowing him to keep his mask. Probably had a nice nap on the flight over. Then he blackmailed the entire world. <laughs> Chrome Dome seems to be pretty much playing at a higher level than anybody else. And Jackie Childs. <laughs> I wonder what he's got to eat, too. Step, step. I mean, he is living his best life at this point. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to right away just agree with you on that, Rick. Death Row was my pick at the end of reading this. I was like, yeah, something's going on with this guy. It's happening. And he was just like smooth and cool as the other side of the pillow. Yeah, let's make it three for three, by the way. I'm also picking Destro for a silver (laughs) snake. He absolutely has those Hannibal Lecter vibes. Mm, Like he might be Mm -hmm. in jail, but he's in charge. (laughs) That's what he got going on. He is, yeah. He's living his best life. Like like Rick said, he's oh, I gotta go to I gotta go stand in front of world court today. All right. (laughs) When you have the most elite team in the world guarding you. You don't have to worry about anybody stabbing you in the back. <laughs> That's true. That is. They true. have to deliver him to the world unharmed. And you I'm know, take a nap. you know, everybody at that panel at that UN or World Tribunal, whatever it was, you know, everybody in there was like, "Oh man, I hope he doesn't bring up those arms deals that we did with him." <laughs> yeah, ooh, yeah. I don't even know. Did they blackmail us? I don't know if I. <laughs> the, the guy from Casablanca just walked in and says. There's arms, there's blackmailing going on here. I'm shocked. It's shocked, I say. Shocked, I say. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Destro's the home run hitter, Pat, for the Silver Snake. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, now that we have the award out of the way, let's go ahead and play with the award. Well, let's go ahead and just play with some toys, I guess. And we'll go to Death Probe's Toy Chest. It's here, the G.I. Joe collection. Each sold separately. G.I. Joe from Hasbro. All right, Pat, Death Probe's Toy Chest. I'll take something or someone featured in this issue, give you a brief toy history on it. And for this issue, I have selected Lieutenant Falcon. We didn't talk about him a lot in the summary, but, you know, he was out there in Bad Hickistan leading the team around the desert. So Lieutenant Falcon, a.k.a. Falcon, he's got, you know, sometimes he's Lieutenant so-and-so Falcon. It's Falcon. He's awesome. And before I talk... You know what, Jerry? His, he's not just awesome. He's Falcon awesome. He's Falcon awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's, he's out in the desert Falcon around right now. No, he doesn't Falcon around. <laughs> okay. But has anybody seen his Falcon coffee? <laughs> I have not seen it. Oh, boy. Let's talk about Falcon. Falcon is a Green Beret. His specialties are infantry and field medic. A description of his figure is kind of generic, although it's still kind of cool at the same time he's basic 
camo outfit with his green beret. He's got a little extra tack gear on. His accessories were a green backpack that came with a green antenna, a black shotgun, a black knife. He was first released in U.S. toy stores as part of Series 6 in 1987. He was discontinued in 1989. As of now, there are currently nine versions of Falcon. His original 87 design was a completely unique sculpt. That's probably why he was appealing. And if anybody in the G.I. Joe community knows anything about Lieutenant Falcon, the first thought they generally have is that's Duke's half-brother, which was in the movie, G.I. Joe the movie. But guess what? That's the only continuity where that actually exists. It doesn't exist in the comic book continuity. It doesn't exist in the action figure continuity. It's not mentioned on any of the cards. Only in the movie was it his half-brother. I get why they did it. I think it made a more compelling character because if you remember in the movie, he was the new guy as a lieutenant tends to be. Mm -hmm. And he had to learn his way. And I think that was, it gives him a good character arc other than just saying, I'm a green beret who showed up. So wasn't it Don Johnson who did the voice of correct, sir. Yeah. Well done. So let's talk about Falcon real quick. Did you have the toy Rick, AKA Jeff, AKA Romeo, Jeff, AKA Romeo team, Jeff, Romeo, all the combinations there. And did you have Falcon? What was the question again? I don't don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) No, I did not. I'm just looking up and I'm looking at my flint and I'm like, I, I can see why they're seen to be brothers. The, the molds look pretty close. But Duke I mean, is his brother. Oh, if Duke. I flint, I misspoke. Is Duke okay. is his half brother. Because looking at Flint, I'm like they looking do, at Flint. They, flint they and, look yes. very close. <laughs> very beret, close. That beret. <laughs> it's the beret. It's a lot about the suit. That's when you said it's a new mold. I'm like, really? Because... <laughs> It kind of looks like a flint repaint. Can't you just do a flint? I mean, it's a white guy wearing a beret. What? (laughs) Hey, he's in good shape. (laughs) And he doesn't have a mustache. I mean. (laughs) But no, no Falcon for you. No Falcon. No. Oh, man. That's that's a Falcon sad story. Pat, did you have the Falcon? Uh -uh. I didn't Falcon have it. Oh, that is is awful. That is awful. Well, guess what, guys? (laughs) I had Falcon. Oh, Aren't you Falcon lucky? <laughs> hey, look, it's the guy from Casablanca again. I'm shocked. Shocked. <laughs> I always like Falcon because officers were few and far between and Joe Toys. The vast, vast, vast majority of them are enlisted. There's nothing wrong with that, clearly. I got much love for those folks, served with many a wonderful person. But they're rare. They're just kind of rare to get an officer. So it's kind of neat that they introduced one. And again, I, I thought it was clever with the story arc, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that yeah. is kind of the story arc of every lieutenant you show up you don't know what's going on you got to figure it out you got to earn respect all that stuff so i i like that so i always like the figure let me tell you one stupid thing i did and one? i might just one this the show's got to air for several more episodes right? <laughs> so i took the shotgun that came with him and i took scissors and i clipped it down so it was like a sawed off shotgun to make it look more badass because you got to remember this was the 80s and uh, I'm trying to have done that. I think I might still have the, <laughs> the shot off, the chopped up shotgun out there with my <laughs> with my Falcon. I regret messing with the uh, with the toy. You need to get some kind of another like size figure with a trench coat, the trench mm. coat on there, shotgun. Now you got to see enough Terminator. <laughs> so, so, hey, that's something for me to shoot for. But dump. <laughs> Uh, rim shot. You know what? If you shoot, you're, you're going to shoot your falcon eye out. <laughs> you know what, Pat? Back to you. All right, Jared. Well, I'm glad you asked. Next up is our feedback segment called Combat Comms. As always, we'll start off Combat Comms with a roster of our battle-hardened Crusader Club veterans. These are the fine folks that have joined our Crusaders Club they enjoy early access to special long box video episodes, free raffle giveaways, voting on show programming, and so much more. How much more? All, All more. much more. All much more, yes. Exactly. All the Falcon more. All of, all of it. You're right, Rick. You're going to get all f- oh, but <laughs> and it- Trying to get bad. <laughs> all the Falcon access. Yeah, you're going to get all the Falcon access right there. All you want. It's right there. So these are the folks reaping those benefits and giving some much appreciated support to the show. And Helica Wolf. Auburn Elvis. Thank you very much. Bill Beer. Blast it or stash it. Braxton Underwood. Captain Entropy. 
Clinton Robison. Dave Collins. Gary Viola. Gene Hendricks. Gerald Green. Jason Keane. Jeremy L. I hope you like to Joe Thomas. John Watson. Josh Strickland. Candace Ward. Captivating Kathy Bright, the MVP. Mark Ross, a.k.a. Clark Trent. Maxwell Traver. Michael Wagner. Miranda W. P.D. Devins. Paul Hicks. Codename Paul Hicks. It's-a me, Rick, from Jeff and Rick Presents. Rob Morgan. Ross Michaud. Ryan Weekly. Daily. Samantha Maney. Sean Urbanski. Spidey 67. Steve Cronin. Tim Price. Tony Pennington. And Toronto Cop. If we missed anyone on our list, we apologize. Please keep in mind that we record these episodes well in advance of release. So, if you're a recent addition, we should be adding you soon. But hey, no worries. Just let us know that we missed you by sending an email at contact at longboxcrusade.com and we will get it straightened out. So you might be asking yourself, how do I become a Crusaders Club member? It's simple. Just head on over to patreon.com and search for Longbox Crusade. For as little as $1 a month, you'll get access to the amazing world of Crusaders Club member. And we're talking all the access. All the Falcon access. Exactly. There's so much access. Man, you could shake a shot off shotgun stick at it. <laughs> it only costs one Falcon dollar. <laughs> exactly. What else are you going to do with it? You're not going to go and buy some Falcon coffee. He's got it. Exactly. Yeah. And if you hang around long enough, you'll probably get some coffee. Some Falcon coffee. Exactly. Come and check it out. Now let's see what messages from our platoon of loyal listeners we have waiting for us on Breaker's Comsat. Communications officer, code name Breaker. These are from episode 29, where we featured issue, of course, number 29. And we had Delvin and Jason on with us. And I think that was a live episode too, wasn't it? I think it was. I think it was a Sunday live stream. Yeah. So lots of fun when we do that. Getting the people in the chat involved along with us. So, Jared, you want to take one? Sure. We got a comment here from G.I. Gary. He's always uh, welcome here on the program. He said, in this Destro-centric episode, there's lots of talk about Pimp Daddy Destro. But sadly, Orsted doesn't make an appearance. Also, does Destro sell organic melons? <laughs> Hashtag Gojo. Hashtag Gojo. We haven't talked about Orsted in quite Orsted a while. His laid-back yeah, brother. <laughs> you know the, the, i thought maybe that was orsted that was in this issue just oh, kind of chill yeah i like bruce pearl's commentary when destro farms his melons what does he use for fertilizer orsted would use some sort of an all-organic yeah mm-hmm. you know composting he's probably big on that you know um that's yeah i don't know what destro would do though he, you know the blood of his victims <laughs> maybe we'll I think find that's out. a good one <laughs> maybe we'll find out in the next issue Maybe this is what whole why Destro left because mm-hmm. he's now getting in cahoots with his brother Orsted, and they're going to get together and start melon farming. And they just needed to, hey, we got this area over here. Out <laughs> so in it's, the, the blackmail is nothing to do with arms sales. It no, all has just to do with to, black yeah, market melons. That's what that's yeah. what's going on here. Yeah, he's just washing his hands of it all, and he's got a <laughs> loving people that are interested in his melons. I uh, I have a subscription to black market melons. <laughs> I'm going to raise that to black market falcon melons. <laughs> <laughs> They're so falcon sweet. I, I, <laughs> I love I love how we've spun <laughs> off. We have people out there in the internet Twitter sphere riffing on a, Orsted, which is a character we made up <laughs> like 10, 15 episodes ago. Yeah, I love that he's caught on. He's, he's, he's like in league with Countdown Jerry yep. these days. So yeah. Uh. Love it. Orsted. We might need to have an Orsted update on every episode. <laughs> yeah, maybe we just see what Orsted's doing later on. That'd be fun. I think that'd be fun to kind of look into and see. All right. Well, with that, you want to join us in the comments? Go ahead, put them into the Twitter, Facebook, wherever we're posting this, even on the YouTube channel. Now, don't forget, we're out on YouTube. You can listen and watch along with the video to these episodes now. But you can also leave us a voicemail. You can also call in and leave us a voicemail at 
707-532-5269. That is 707-532-LBOX. Pick up the phone. We have melons standing by. <laughs> They're falcon awesome. Okay, well, that brings us to mission complete status for this episode of G.I. Joe Chronicles of Devil's Due Years. If you'd like to hear more from us in the realm of comic books, action films, vintage TV, movies, serials, and more, check out the entire Longbox Crusade Network. DJ Christados, where can they find that? Well, Jared, I'm glad you asked. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and most podcatchers that are out there. Or just go ahead and dial into www.longboxcrusade.com. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, all at Longbox Crusade. Back to you, Jared. If you'd like to chat with us online, we can be found at... Back to you, Pat. Well, Jared, I'm glad you asked. You can find me on the Twitter at Christatos01. Back to you, Jared. Oh, and I am at Yard Sale Artist, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. You can check out my artwares. I don't think I've mentioned that yet at www.theyardsaleartist.com. If you like original G.I. Joe art, uh, I got some of that. So check it out. I think that's everybody. Oh, wait. Rick, Jeff, Romeo team, where can people find you? Well, I do a little show called Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, which I host with my sliced up and reconstructed co-host, Jeff. He's also known as Not Rick. He can now toast two pieces of bread at once. We're very proud of him. I also have another show here on the Longbox Crusade Network called Monthly Monday Movie Muckabout, which... I grab somebody, we talk about a movie they've never seen, and it's a lot of fun. Back to you, Orsted. Hey, man, hey. it's just relax. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to be angry about throwing it back to me, man. You know, it's like, we're all just friends here, man. Chill. <laughs> and what, what are you doing to your guy? Just making two breads of toast like that, man. Just That's harsh. Yeah, that, that toast, is, it's got gluten in it. Damn, yeah, man. He, he used to just be able to warm up one piece of a bagel. <laughs> All right, so it's that's too many carbs, man. It's too many carbs. High carbs, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Orsted. Uh, you know, he's easy to have around. He's not hard. Anyway, thanks for joining us for this episode of G.I. Joe Chronicles, The Devil's Due Years. We'll see you on the battlefield next episode, where we will cover issue 32, Players and Pawns, part five of five. So I guess we'll get some stuff wrapped up. Until then, platoon, fall out. Yo, Joe. The music themes for this show are done by musical genius Joe November. Please check out his SoundCloud at Joseflin99. That's J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You will not regret it. Oh, pat, 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 pat. You grabbed that low-hanging fruit of the loom. And All right. I saw, I saw the one hold coming. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't get the car out of the way. All right. I'll try to be brief on this one. All right. Uh, You're on, just jockeying for more time. <laughs> Cristato below. All right, I, don't I don't know about that. that. No, that's not going to. Rule that immediately. <laughs> that was Jeff. Yeah, I thought Jeff was here. Like the wrong guy. <laughs> Damn it. I'm still here, guys. I'm still oh, here. Oh, my bad. <laughs> <laughs>